podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, well, well. What a fabulous podcast. Yeah, it was good fun. <laughs> lot uh, to look forward to this weekend. What? Lot to look forward. We don't always spend a lot of time previewing the matches coming up, but I think this one's perhaps big enough to be pivotal. Mate, biggest game of the season. Biggest game ever. And I'm going to use a word later on in the podcast that you, I don't really know if you understand it, because the, the way you say it back to me is madness. <sighs> Hyperbole. <laughs> you say it now, yeah. But you, Hyperbilly. Hyperbull. You're an idiot. Um, it's just all hyperbolic. Oh, that's Gareth. Sorry, that's whose Gareth. voice is that? Sorry, who's that? He's just, this is Gareth. Gareth Dobson, friend of the pod, uh, regular whistleblower, contributor, and... And really the driver of that whole uh, Man City versus Liverpool preview, I thought. Great hey, well date. done, Gareth. Why, thank you. Great yes. day. What else points. did we talk about? We talked about, uh, we talked about Son's... Uh, we didn't really talk about too much, but his red card got overturned. Kane, we talked about for quite a long time. We talked about bits and bobs of the first... Well, the game's from Saturday, basically. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Whistleblowers. This is your one-stop shop for football stuff. For all the... Well, I mean, it's one of your stops. Yeah. I don't have to make it your exclusive stop. Actually, it's a good point. Yeah, it must never, under any circumstance, be your only stop. Uh, but do stop by... By all Definitely. means, because you can hear the voice of me, Mark Smith. I'm with Martin Gritton, who you heard just there. Martin? Hi, hi everyone. Hi, everyone. And uh, we are joined today by a man who's on the show more than you are, actually, Grits. Yeah. It's uh, Gareth Dobson, Spurs fan and all-round good egg. Hi, thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming on it again, Gareth. Pleasure. Uh, and we're going to start with your team. Uh, Spurs had what probably, and certainly in hindsight, was uh, a must-win game away at Everton. Everton struggling a little bit, needed to get on track a little bit more, and, and Spurs went there, and in the end, the game was really overshadowed by, by a horrible injury. But the result itself, how are you feeling about that? Um, it, two very mediocre teams playing out. What was probably one of the worst football matches I can remember seeing. The last one I saw that was that bad was actually another Everton game on New Year's Day this year, which I think some people may... Yeah have had to sit yes. for a depressing yes. day to, to watch that game. It was so dreadful. Well. It was hungover, all the players. So I, I don't want to put that on Everton because, you know, Spurs are obviously not a particularly good team this year. But Champions it, League finalists. Champions League finalists four months, four months ago. ago. Um, but I, I think the, you know, the, the unpleasant irony is that it was a game that was awful for, for most of it and then turned into one of the more eventful matches of the season for, you know... Sad reasons. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but the game itself, do you think that the absence of Harry Kane and the sort of... It's only an hour or so before the game we found out about it, but there's the sort of mini circus that still accompanies mm. a high-profile absentee like that. that. That must have thrown them a little bit, do you think? Or when did, when did they know Kane was out? When did the players know Kane was out? I don't know. I, I, I always suspect that sort of rumours... The rumbling started occurring fairly early in the morning, or actually on, maybe on, the day the game before, I think. Right, um, okay. So there, there was wind of it. I mean, maybe that's a question for you, Grit. So is, is there... I don't know pre- what happened, so I'm, I'm really excited to hear this, actually. No, but... Oh, okay, so, you know, it was... You know, everything was fine. Kane was all set to go, and then suddenly, you know, there are whispers less than 24 hours before <laughs> that he's injured and mm-hmm. he's not going to feature, and, you know, that's what transpires, and... Yeah, I guess the most famous one you always think back to was the old uh, you know, original Ronaldo situation yeah. in 98. Not that I'm comparing Kane to Ronaldo. Yeah, Kane's obviously them. a better Compare player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. but, but, but it's like... A, a Chingford a, Ronaldo. <laughs> as, a, as a player, former player, you will have practised all season. You'd have, you'd have trained to a certain 
yeah. specific set of tactics that you're playing with. And once that talismanic guy, your captain, I think he's a, is he your captain or Lloris captain? Whatever, he's, he's currently your captain. Vice captain. Is he's your pivotal striker. What happens to your game plan at that point? Well, I... Especially given they haven't really got anyone well, else. I was going to say, at this moment in time for Spurs, that that is such an impact. The, the point being that if you're Brazil, the reason is you should have a standby that's adequate. But that, the point being that that was a World Cup final. It probably, in, in many ways, Spurs, every game is, is under the optics at the minute of it's hugely important because you think, well, managers could get fired off the back of it or players might never appear again. Or, you know, I mean... The way people talk about Ericsson, again, it's just like we, we mentioned four months ago, it was a Champions League final, but it's just a shadow of their former selves. And it's mm. with, with players missing, it, absolutely right. Particularly when you're looking around the dressing room going, who can do that? Who can fill that role? But look, you, players like Mora stepped up last, last season. You've yeah. got, there's ability in there. Um, oh, absolutely. And it's an opportunity. You're playing Everton, who seem to be uh, more amenable to getting turned over this year than they should be. You know, but- it's... But let's look at that Spurs thing. Okay, Kane's out. Yes, Mora can come in. Son can play central. But they're not, they're not those number nines who play that same system. They're not, you know, even a Lorente who struggled at Spurs, but he could play the position. I would say, and, and this, I might be completely wrong, you might disagree with me, but I would say, why not have Troy Parrott on the bench? Young lad at Spurs, was he 19? Done really well with the reserves. Why not give him a shot? I mean, I mean, I, I understand that if he does badly, it could, it could. Yeah, well, that's what I'll tell you why. Because uh, uh, how many people are hinging on that one performance? Also, the disrespect to the other guys. We're talking about players that are seasoned professionals playing in. Yeah, but they don't I play know that, that position. No, but that, that, what I'm saying is these guys are, are adaptable. You know, Fernandinho. There's players that we're seeing playing. Uh, you know, at a position for other teams that. I know what you're saying, but they should be adaptable. What it does point to is Daniel Levy's lack of backing the team in the transfer market. That's not to say that he hasn't progressed the club to where it is now, but you have to look at that and say that's got to be an influence. I think so. This year, it's there's been more conversation amongst Spurs fans that there's now a feeling that they, they looked at the squad and they looked at the situation they decided this year was maybe one where they were going to deliberately not reinforce the squad and, and see where they are and, and take a step back and you know they're always going to be overshadowed by the finances around the stadium people are much more savvy these days they understand the, the finance of football a bit better when you say well it costs half a billion pounds or more to make a stadium the average football fan kind of gets that now yeah. um so it, it doesn't surprise me that they haven't reinforced i, I do think that there has been an over-reliance on pochettino the coach yeah. Um, because he's always managed with what he has. And always made players better. He's made players better and, you know, he's, he's fit. I just made know, them the, disappear. The proverbial, uh, you know, squares into, into round pegs. But, um, but it, you, it you, is, you, sorry, I, I would say it is worth pointing out, though, that the majority of that 11 that played on Sunday was the 11 that got through the Champions League quarterfinals and semifinals. Um, so they should be good enough to play better than, than how I, they Absolutely, did. but I, I just think that you've got a pretty crucial position on the field there. Yeah. Number nine, the guy that people pivot off. And he is your, he is your attack, yes. in, in, in essence, because everything else happens around him, because of him. And I just think they should have... And I think that in January we'll see, we'll see something happen well, in the window. Yeah. But it's, it's similar to what we've seen at Man City at centre-back, yeah. where they haven't strengthened and they've just winged it and assumed they wouldn't get any injuries. Yeah. We've seen it at United up front, same position. 
And I just think in this day and age, we're talking about half a billion pounds here, half a billion pounds there on Man City squad. It's like these are huge numbers. You should be able to get someone in who can play the position. I agree. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it shows how fundamentally flawed it is when your backup last season was Lorente, who yeah. you know, was adequate at the exact moments he needed to be, but essentially you were getting criticised for having him. And then a year, you know, fast forward a, a season, he's gone to Napoli and you haven't even brought in someone to replace him. Yeah. Um, well, it's. it's Bad, yeah, bad planning. Uh, for more analysis, check out this, our sister pod, the the Spurs show. Because I'm sure they'll go into this in much greater mm-hmm. detail and uh, and and be able to um, go on about that in, in quite a more detailed manner and maybe slightly depressing manner, I would yeah. imagine, for those guys. But uh, at the same time, um, that other thing that overshadowed. Yeah, so we had that um, that injury to uh, Andre Gomez yes. late on in the game. I think everyone who listens to this podcast will also have probably seen the game, or at least the fallout from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, obviously a horrific injury. We've, we've had, before this podcast went out tonight, half an hour or so ago, the news that his red card has been overturned. Yeah. So philosophically, Grits, as an ex-pro, let's assume that red card hasn't been overturned. Let's just go with the call on the field. Yeah. Do you see any reason why that is a red card? No, it's not a red card, is it? And, and it Describe what happened to us. The moment. Well, that's what I mean. I didn't see, all I've seen of it is the... Oh, right, I no, I saw the match today footage, but I didn't... I mean, we and Gareth were speaking just before, but like... I don't want to see it. Did, did you have to turn no, over? I, I, I just am not a fan happened, of that. As soon as it happened and you saw the reactions of the players, yeah. I've had bad injuries in the past. I know. And I had to be like, right, I'm gone. I'm putting on NFL red zone. Like, I, can't, I cannot physically stomach it at all. But the idea of sending the player off, is that just a instinctive reaction from the referee? He's seen that, yes, it was a trip from Son, uh, but after that, it's out of his control and it's just a freakish thing that's happened. You know, studs in the turf, whatever. Has he just gone with, it's a yellow card, oh, actually, I've just seen what his leg looks like. It's now a red. Well, this is, that because it's been overturned. It must have been his knee jerk. Help, that and doesn't help Spurs on the day where they've lost, lost two points. And some of our uh, journalist friends that have been on the pod, someone like Miguel, who would probably be quite quickly, Miguel Delaney, that is, would be probably quite quick to be able to point out and say, well, the right or wrong, actually said to the ref, well, he's got almost like leeway in getting this one wrong because you try and two and two plus five, you know, it's one of those ones where you're looking at it and going, I'm trying to work out what happened here. And if I seem to be under... Um, I don't know, under critical or, you know, not giving the full weight of my ability to give him a red card. If, it's, if he's caused that yeah, injury, then yeah. I'm going to be the one with the microscope. So. so earlier in that game, we saw a, a non-penalty in the end given against mm. Deli Ali, where he, he hit him on the hand or whatever, on the arm or whatever it was. And we, and we saw, I think it was three and a half minutes of VAR yep. over and over again. And I'm thinking that in this case with the injury to Andre Gomez, have they called it and called it early because they want to avoid watching that injury for three minutes on VAR? I don't know. Like, I, because I, that's, what, that's what would have... Sorry to cut across you. My, right, I just want to pivot a little bit and say that this is... VAR needs rebranding. As a, to what? Just what start again. Just literally what... Because the concept Clean of it slate. is essential. I mean, we need... You've got the opportunity to bring something in that we know works in other sports and, it, and, and we're here yet talking about it again. Mm. The lack that referees aren't showing it because... Also, it kind of relinquishes them of some responsibility on the day, which in, at the level of, the buck. in the Premier League's much there's much higher pressure situation than rugby, and I, I, I mean that with all due respect to rugby, I just mean the financial implications of these decisions, and um, you know, are huge in the Premier League. So, 
like it almost needs to be rethought or like because the people who are doing it at the minute aren't good enough to be making these decisions because they're getting it wrong yes. you know I'd rather I'd rather the ref make decisions based on what he can see in front of him because we were getting one or two bad decisions a month and now we're getting but, every week yeah but the, the, interesting you bring up rugby there though now Gareth on Saturday it was the England South Africa World Cup final I don't know if you saw the rugby there I yeah, watched half of it so the first South Africa's first try in that one um they had a look at it on VAR, their VAR. They had a look at it to see if there was a forward pass in the build-up to it. And they all looked, they looked at the screen, they were looking at it, and they said, well, it's not really clear and obvious, is it? They didn't get out rulers and, and lines and start drawing, is it a millimetre forward? They didn't do that. They just said, it's not clear and obvious, therefore we move on with it. Rugby's far harder to officiate than, than football. Why can't they just... And I hate, I hate putting it up against rugby. Because it's such a pointless argument, all this rugby versus football. No, you're right. But it's, I think but that they've got, got that right. Yeah. Why can't we do that? What is, what is so hard about this? I, I, and it's... Uh, because football has this platform... Sorry, I, you were asking Gareth. And I'm just I, was, I was, Martin, yes. <laughs> Gareth. No, I mean, I was going to say, I think part of it is... Yeah, I think rugby's had long enough with uh, video refereeing to sort of really, really pare it down to understanding that you use it, like you said, for the most clear and obvious things to really work out how we use it efficiently and quickly. You know, it's the same with cricket. And like some of the, the, the umpire decisions they use video technology for are far more intricate than football, but because mm. they are so practiced and they have such a sort of clear pathway to making their decision, it's as in that sense of, well, he might be out, but I can't overturn it because we have to go with the original call by the umpire. That's probably how it should be established in football. But right now it feels like everyone is just fumbling around and, you know, the referees are almost using it to enforce their opinion or to It's, it's to prove a referee justify. has made a mistake yes. rather than to... And yeah. it's fundamentally all, all we wanted, wrong. and I think this is me speaking for a lot of football fans, all we wanted was something that would eliminate absolute clangers from yeah. the refs. That was it. It wasn't, it wasn't to make sure that San is a millimetre offside yeah. or Firmino's three millimetres offside by his armpit. It wasn't that. And now instead we've got this really weird game, which it, it's football, but it's sort of football... Largely by people who are do, sort of doing maths and, and it's become well, trigonometry weird. on It's a become a weird video simulation. Well, yeah. let's not dwell. I mean, everyone's having this conversation because it it's a miserable uh, time for yes. Bar, But um, other league matches that we need to have a little look at. Um, United away at Bournemouth. That was a back to the drawing board for all. It seems to be one in, one out with him, doesn't it? It's, you know, the, the inconsistencies because it's largely a, a good team he's fielding now. It's, it's almost feels like a settled eleven. Yeah, I think that's still a little bit he's had his hand forced, and I think any team would probably miss someone like Pogba. And he's out for a little while still, I think. So um, I think they are struggling a little bit. But having said that, I think most people now have come to the conclusion that with United, it's a building job. Just don't go down. That's, that's all they're sort of asking for. Just don't go down. Imagine saying that. Yeah, I know. Don't go down. It's mad, isn't it? But, um, but, but let's, let's remember this, though, that United and Spurs are now on equal points. Ten points off top four, and we just started November. I mean, this is what's going on. Yeah, it's why. Well, I well, mean, who's filled the gap? Exactly. Well, this is what you're going to come to. Realistically, competitively, the league season is over for Spurs and Manchester United. Both could argue that they want to push for the top four, and that'll be their aim across the season. But I think it's unlikely that I will achieve it now. And it's certainly this season. I'd say you know, you have a slight change in the garden. As a Spurs fan, I'm not pleased by that. But as a football fan, it's refreshing to see you know Leicester, even though they won the league a couple of years ago. You know, 
looking like they're cemented in the top four place. Yeah, them and Chelsea, who, as last week, we decided Grits would probably be the My team. new team. We Mine. would probably support them if we were starting to watch football Chelsea, today. up the blues, etc. Yeah. Big fan. So I think, actually, we all talked about this before the season. This could be a bit of a change in the guard at the top of the table. And it looks like it might, 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 might be happening. Yeah. We might see it. Certainly not top two. But, uh, but, the, but well, the third and fourth place, definitely. Yeah, and a lot of admirable f- performances. Teams like um, Sheffield United. Oh, just my God, Sheffield United. Proving themselves to be a, a thorn in the side. They're so good. They are good. They're genuinely really good. Yeah. And I say this all the time. They're, they're good. Yeah. Gareth, they're a good team. They are a very good team. And you know, they seem to be improving you know, each week in the Premier League. And I like the fact that they have you know, a good manager who has a coherent game plan, it seems, every week. The players know what they're doing and they they all perform well it's it sounds really basic and obvious but i suspect that is that is a really key aspect of of why they're doing pretty well and uh, other teams that kind of a little bit more of a bounce back this weekend southampton putting up a valiant effort at city yeah. 70 minutes you know what like all right city won it city won it in the end but the the mental fortitude you have to have as an athlete a professional sportsman to, to go and get absolutely tonked and embarrassed in your own backyard on Sky <laughs> with the floodlights on, on a Friday night on a Friday oh. night and then and then a week, just over a week later coming back and, and putting a performance like that against one of the best teams in, in Europe I thought it was fantastic I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely brilliant yeah I thought they did great but again this is Man City showing some proper potentially. Well, title winning grit the same that Liverpool did on the well, same day on the same 10 minute sp- stretch well absolutely and I, I think it's timely that we come on to those two because uh, with the biggest game of the weekend perhaps potentially a uh, season defining match can we say that this uh, 100%, early 100% yeah uh, with so much at stake um, we'll talk about that in more detail second half of the show Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Welcome back, we touched upon... City versus Liverpool. Stop chewing sweets, Martin. I'm not chewing sweets, mate. I've got, I'm just playing with them in my hand. Um, which way round is it? Where is it? Where is this one at? This it's one's Anfield. Anfield. So City. I mean, what is the record at the moment? 28 games unbeaten in the Premier League. Liverpool. I've yep. just thrown that on you. Uh, Liverpool have lost once in 50 something. I mean, that's pretty oh impressive. God. But uh, as the bookies say, the bookies have got Man City's favourites this weekend. That surprises which, me. Yeah. It, well, this is it. So. In terms of era defining, not era defining, season defining, I should say. Um, but it could be era defining for Liverpool. If Liverpool do win this game, because it puts some serious light between them and City. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, and usually it's overblown when you say these games are season defining, but essentially both teams are so good and they will drop so few points for the results against each other are key. Um, you look at last year, you know, the 
if Liverpool had got an extra couple of points by winning at Anfield rather than drawing, although I appreciate they almost lost when Myers was penalty, but if they'd won that game, then you know, we'd have different champions. So let's go back to that game last season. So the corresponding fixture to last season finishes... Is it nil-nil? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. But Mahrez missed nil, that last-minute penalty. Whatever it was, it was a draw, but it was, it was Mahrez missed that penalty last minute. But Man City in that game, to me, gave Liverpool so much respect yes. and, and sort of stood off them a little bit. Didn't play the normal game. It was very much a, a, a sort of Champions League Man City performance in the knockout stages where they sort of get a bit standoffish and, and try and go... I think they, they overthink, or Pep certainly overthinks things and second-guesses himself. And then in the reverse fixture, Man City just played the normal the normal way and I think or I hope for the sake of the quality of the game that Man City go and play their normal way and we see an attacking swashbuckling Man City which I think we might see purely because Liverpool's forward line is so strong and Man City's back two really aren't nope. so the only way Man City can Agreed. win this for me is if they go for the jugular I mean what, what do you make of that? I Well it harks back to the it, the semi-finals when almost the coming of age for Liverpool when uh, was it semi-finals of the Champions League the year before when City just got caught totally yeah. totally out by a, a Liverpool team that were pushing high but also almost kind of there was a maturity about it and just a ruthless quality about their, their play and I think City ever since that moment have been very mindful of how and, to and cope with it been cages as well yeah and and to be honest it's funny because uh, like we don't really see you don't see city players under that sort of duress and um you know other teams have tried to do it to them in the champions league it kind of almost it's like Celtic, if you watch Celtic in the scottish uh, you know premier league the pro, the premiership is it, the issue is that after 70 minutes Celtic just bring on stronger players and no matter yeah. who they're playing against they'll grind out city can't do that but essentially they are the best team in the league at doing that. Liverpool for this year, it's the first time we've seen a team that is better than them in every department, uh, potentially. Or they, they well, can let's match get on to that. Yeah. Let's get on to that, because actually if you were to pick your 11, yeah. your, your combined 11, I think that the entire midfield is, is all Man City. Yeah. But everywhere else, with the exception of maybe Sterling, for me, is, is Liverpool. They just seem strong in every department, well, and their midfield is just a great unit rather than spectacular individuals. I'm not f- I, like I have, first start. I'm just going to say I hate those things where you pick the best team. Of course, yeah, and I'm not putting this on you. I just because I find it so crass to be because the the point of the those players is the fact that they are they units, are a team. teams, yeah, yeah. and that's the beautiful thing we've said it before in this podcast many times the toughest team city player themselves in training because that's the way they've been taught to play um but it's just interesting to see and and we've liverpool we've seen them under pressure this season when teams have worked them out and given them games like leicester give them a hell of a, a hell of a match and you just look at good coaches that can sometimes find those weaknesses in teams but yeah no i was thinking that, i mean two things for me the the main game breakers are going to be mane and sterling Money of the free Liverpool, you know, it feels like every few months you get to choose who's playing the best and who's the most, uh, you know, dangerous looking, and, and that's Sadio Mane at the moment. Um, is, is he is he the Liverpool attacker you would take right now for sure? Yeah, I absolutely, I, I totally agree. I think he's been that for a season now. Yeah, I'd say consistently you know, if over twelve months in terms of who's had the greatest number of you know really impactful performances. It's Mane over. Over the other two, Salah. Yeah, they've all played well, and in oh, yeah. spots they've all been brilliant. And Firmino is now so, you know, people say that he's so underrated. So often he's probably now overrated. <laughs> How um, is he underrated? Yeah. And that, that gets said. It's because yeah, it's it's it. and, 
Yeah, it's lovely. And it's nice to be that sort of player that's kind of, you know, you go on about that critically acclaimed player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, I mean, yeah, yes, for me, it's been fantastic. But yeah, Mane, I, I think, is the one where you look at the moment and you feel that if if they're going to really have that decisive moment, it's going to come from him. And, you know, Sterling has obviously, has just been so good for the last 18 months at Man City. And especially this week where, you know, you assume it's going to be Lovren playing. You know, Matip is definitely out. Joe Gomez appears to have fallen down the pecking order a little bit. He's been a little bit um, inconsistent. And then, you know, there's, there's probably going to be gaps to exploit between Alexander-Arnold and Lovren. Um, yeah. And I suspect they could, you know, get behind the fullbacks. And, and, you know, that's where they come. So many of Man City's goals come from that position from the corner flag yeah. where they drive in and send the balls across the box. Yeah. So we saw a few weeks ago with uh, United and Liverpool... Solskjaer employed this wing-back system that could, in theory, stifle the, 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 the uh, wing-backs of Liverpool. Has that been copied since? I mean, what, what were Villa doing against Liverpool on Saturday? Uh, not so much, but Sheffield United and Spurs both did, uh, employed this 3-5-2. Um, so that, 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 that's the, the other interesting question is whether Guardiola is going to look at that and to... You know, that's going to be part of his tactical approach, or whether he he's going Champions to back League. his team to. Well, this is it. If it's Champions League, he'd be he'll be rehearsing the three-five-two all week. Right. Whereas in the league game, you know, it always seems he's like, well, I'll just put out my team in the way I see fit. That makes that you know that behooves us attacking wise. Behooves. We'll, we'll get the we'll get the job done. But yeah, it'll be an interesting one. If if he's a uh, if he overthinks this one, it's going to say. I mean, it's already started with. This, yes. this notion on Saturday where he's, <laughs> he just randomly points out that Liverpool you know, players no, are, are picking up cheap uh, free kicks. And you know, it's like, where did this come from? So it's on his mind. It's interesting. Do you, when, when you watch those like, like preview pieces or the, uh, certainly the, you know, the press conferences that they do preview these matches, they're mind-numbingly dull for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then it's just this one Little sentence yeah. that yeah. will get drawn out. Yeah. And these managers must know they're saying it, but there's another thing where they sometimes, because he, he half-jokingly said it, yeah. so there is an element of tongue-in-cheek. Okay, so I've only read it in print, so it looks really cynical. Yeah, and from that's what, right, what obviously. Been, but but yeah. in, in real life, it's more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, right. And also, you know, about, he'd be doing a well scratching his face or something, do you know what I mean? It's always yeah, a t- yeah, yeah. there's a tell. There's always a tell with Pep. <laughs> the Pep He's got that yeah. kind of t- the scratch his face in turn. Um, but I think uh, your point, uh, Gareth, is really astute in terms of Lovren. And at that level, when you're playing a, a one player, one weak link, or a, a link between two players that don't play that regularly together, that, you know, has perhaps been hot and cold it could be enough to decide it could be game. enough particularly at this level and I think you know whether you look at games I always think of uh, like that you know horrific match between well brilliant match for us but uh, Germany and Brazil where Germany just seemed to fill all the holes yeah. where the Brazil went and they just didn't know how to deal with it and I always think that um, City have that kind of there's an element of them that has that sort of Germanic yeah. free flowing well, football the, rather than the, that's the Guardiola game plan yeah. and that's what he believes he can always find and exploit against his key opponents. Yeah. So let's, let's um, do a little thought experiment here. Uh, so Man City win the game. They're now three points off Liverpool going into the Christmas period with a bit of momentum. Is that then their league to lose? A bit of momentum. So that'll be their sixth win on the spin. And that's not to belittle what you're saying. I'm just saying, so six, six wins, including Liverpool. Well, I suppose all of those games were playing massive games. But at the same time, Liverpool having drawn two of their matches and stuttered a tiny bit. I'd say that 
winning six in the spin and the six being Liverpool would yeah that's a launch pad because I just think Liverpool mentally that can be quite I'm, and Klopp won't let them be damaged but you, you can't help but yeah Gareth um, I was just some fixtures immediately after this game Man City play Chelsea so well, that is where? a really big uh, double header uh, that's at the Etihad, I believe. Okay. That could be, well, yeah, you put um, those two back to back. So, but like you said, it, it, it's a key, you know, nine days, as well as there being some Champions League games, they could, they could quite easily drop five points in two games. Let's say they lose at Anfield, they draw with Chelsea, mm. and then suddenly, you know, there could be this vast chasm with Liverpool surging ahead. Or the flip side is they could, you know, pick up six points. You know, Liverpool will be thinking about a December where... They have to play two games in two days in the League Cup and the, the uh, UEFA World Championship yep. uh, or the FIFA World, World Club Cup. Yeah. Um, and suddenly it looks quite daunting for Liverpool. So it really is, I think, you know, potentially pivotal. Uh, let's instead say that Liverpool win this game. They're nine points clear. Is that it? No. No. <laughs> That's the weird thing, isn't no, it? I, I, it's I, never I mean, over with a city behind you. It's Yeah, and it's because it is silly and I think that... They're just viewed as remorseless and yeah. different in terms of style, but really similar to those Mourinho teams of old, the, especially that Chelsea team where it just felt like they were never going to stop. It was like Terminator 2. Well, this you is just glance over your shoulder and they're just running well, well, after With both you. those clubs on Saturday, Liverpool against Villa and, and, and uh, City against Southampton, 1-0 down, you know, okay, the times left varied in both games, but that was remorseless, both of them. Yeah. You knew Liverpool were going to score at least... They weren't losing that game. Yeah, you knew yeah. they were going to score at least one. And you sort of suspected, even on 84, 85, 86 minutes, they're probably going to win this still. Yeah. They've got that old Ferguson thing where you go goal down, well, whatever, man. Cloppage, we're going to win the game still. Cloppage time. Cloppage time, yeah. But I just think that there's every chance that what we saw at the end of last season, when both teams went on that unbelievable run, yeah. that could happen earlier this season. Yeah. Liverpool might have already, already started it. Mm. They might start the first day of the season. Man City, right, they've lost a couple, not been as good as last season just yet. But we could see both teams getting near 100 points. Oh, I, I think it's getting probably over more likely points. than not. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Both teams will hit the 90s, you'd assume. Oh, 100%. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, did, we, did you guys see the Maradona stuff this week on his birthday last week? Oh, just a nice the, little segue. The throne? Yes. Yes. I mean, the, the, uh, it's great to see that football exists still in that, South American that mad bubble. place. That <laughs> mad, was it Newell's old boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's playing away from home, gets to sit in a throne for his birthday, smoking a cigar Against and the, whatever yeah, the else. Cup he came up It's more with. of a B day, wasn't it, or something? But that's how I imagine you're sitting when you're when you're not here, when you're on commentary Absolutely. duty. Oh, yeah. Any one of my old clubs is a throne waiting for me. They have to yeah. keep an empty seat. Yeah. And I'd say actually, <laughs> if, respectful. If if you haven't seen the Maradona documentary that yes. came out over over the summer. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely go and see it. I think, you can, I think it's available now to download on certain, yes. certain platforms. It was by the same guy who made, uh, made the Senna one and the Amy Winehouse one. And he's, uh, he's absolutely brilliant. And, and they're some, great as well. Yes, and some of the footage they have of uh, uh, Maradona signing in Naples and it's yeah. you know, video camera through the front of the car just winding its way down in this little VW Golf. is absolutely amazing. Some great stories. I um, coming back for some reunion match, wasn't it? And he owed so much in tax that they met, the police met him at the airport yeah. and all he had on he had earrings that were worth 10 grand. So he just goes there, just gave them them, just gave them 10 grand earrings. He was like, well, that, well, that, 
like, bail me out so I can play in this charity game. What hassle, charity? though, for the, for the copper? So they're going to get them, get them priced up, oh, yeah, sell them. Cash Diego. Yeah, to a cash converters. Mm. Anyway, uh, what a way to end the What we doing this weekend? Oh, well, I was going to say, Mark, you were at the NFL this weekend. You're a multifaceted sport node, aren't you? Uh, yeah, um, I didn't go in the end. But, Gee, um, did you? Were you there? I was there. Oh. It was. It was. A were fairly, you there? I didn't go in the end. It was. It was a fairly fun game. I'm, I, I do enjoy my trips to Wembley. Yeah. Well, there we go. And is there anything else going on at the minute for your artists? I know that um, uh, last time we were... Well, it is music season, isn't it, so to speak? It is. It's, it's the period where everyone's releasing records and, and out on tour. And we've got a couple of those artists, so I'd recommend Oscar Scheller. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen you promoting him over the last, uh, yeah, yeah maybe he, 12 months. He's just months. done a collaboration with Lily Allen, which is doing pretty well. So Lovely. Go find it on your uh, streaming supplier great stuff Apple Mark. iTunes or whatever you're going to be any, going to be anywhere this weekend uh, this weekend oh, I don't know uh, sport. don't remember but all I know is that uh, some, we're going to hear you on talk sport. you hear me on talk sport on, uh, on Saturday morning yeah what are you going to be looking forward to is that sport in general Premier League or across the board it's, uh, I think it's just football lovely yeah but uh, really I'll just be getting nervous about uh, Forest Derby uh, the lunchtime oh, kick up on Saturday I'm not, I'm not going to it I don't ever want to go through those games ever again. I just no. feel physically sick throughout those games. I can't enjoy them. I don't know. I mean, Gareth, do you enjoy watching Tottenham? Uh, well, I mean, do you enjoy watching it teams? Felt, that felt loaded. It felt leading. Specifically, <laughs> yeah, so Spurs Arsenal is, I hate it and I wish that we just agreed to have two draws each season right. and not play. They're, they're horrible games. Yeah. No one's happy. Yeah, when you win, you're elated, but... It's just deeply unpleasant. Horrible. I, I, I'm, I'm nervous about it now. Yes. And I, I will obviously watch the game through my fingers. And I'm just, I just don't want any part of it. And yet, more to are. lose than gain. Uh, what are you up to, Grits? Oh, thanks for asking, guys. I, I am yeah, yeah, at Maidstone. Grits, hey, Grits. I'm away Gritz, at Maidstone for Torquay United. You will be able to hear me on BBC Sounds for that. So just so we're, oh. not, we're promoting many platforms. They, there's, yeah, they don't own the rights for... Uh, National League, so we can listen to that on BBC Sounds. BBC Sounds. Beautiful. To it, listen to it on your uh, iPhone or whatever. Sort of. Well, this time next week we will have some... Yeah, other phones are available. Uh, this time next week we will have uh, a resolution to our, our big talking point today, City yeah, Liverpool. and I don't think it's uh, hyperbole to say this is the biggest game of the season. Uh, and genuinely... I've never heard you say hyperbole before. Hyperbole? Well, let's call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, see you later. <laughs> This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.